great I am. And he will minister to your situation today. Is the great I am. He's here because of you today. Is the great I am. You will not live here the way you came. Is the great I am. You will not live here empty-handed. Is the great I am. Some people say is the show of God. He will show up on your behalf. Concerning your situation, he will show up. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can deny him. He cannot be rejected. He's the great I am. He's here because of you today. Tell somebody he's here because of me today. As he said, he's here because of me today. Now tell that person he's here because of you too. You will have your dynamic encounter with him in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this morning. We'll live to any more Be glorified in Jesus' name. You are the great I am. We yield unto you. Father, have your way. Glorify your name. Put the devil to shame. Perfect your purpose. Like never before, manifest your presence. Reveal yourself unto us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Lord. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's have our seats. We are welcoming his presence. We are welcoming his presence. And let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7, I read from verse 5 to verse 13. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 5 to 13. If you are there, shout hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 7, verses 5 to 13. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpe, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpe, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said, There, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpe. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpe, the laws of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he would save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. The Lord will hear you today. Amen. I said, the Lord will hear you today. Amen. Verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with the great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpeh and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto Betar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it be between Mizpeh and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. God will subdue your enemies. I say, God will subdue your enemies. Amen. All those who have been coming in to terrorize you, 
an end has come to their actions in your life in Jesus' name. Tamar took a stone and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto the Lord has helped us. And so the name Ebenezer simply means the stone of help. The stone of help. God will raise up help for you in the name of Jesus. So today, I just call it Ebenezer. We might not actually get to the word Ebenezer, but let's leave that as a topic for today. But it's a continuation of our series of studies on altar versus altar. You see, the name Mispedia means watchtower. Means what? Watchtower. What is a watchtower? Or is it watchtower, watchtower? Call it the Nigerian way, call it the Can Canadian way. <laughs> or call it in between. <laughs> it is a place of watching out for the advancement of the enemy. Day and night. To ensure that the person is not caught unawares. You will not be caught unawares by the enemy. Amen. I said you will not be caught unawares by the enemy. Amen. Because if the enemy catches you unawares, what does it mean? The person is gone. The person is gone. That's how the lion catches its prey. It's just locking, just going around. You wouldn't know there's a lion there. All of a sudden, in an unguided moment, what would the lion do? He will jump Pounce upon that individual. And he will not just pounce anywhere. Just say, ah, let me try his hand. Let me try. No, 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 no. It's calculated pouncing. Does that make sense? Yes. He knows where he's going to drop to be able to, to ensure that he gets his prey. The enemy will not get you in Jesus' name. Yes. So that's why the word tower is very necessary. It's very necessary. When you look at Isaiah chapter 21, verse 8, Isaiah 21, verse 8. He said, and he cried, a lion, my Lord, I stand continually upon the word tower in the daytime. I have set in my word whole night. In other words, I have an assignment. My assignment is to watch, and I will watch day and night. So the man, the woman that is set at the watch tower is active day and night. You don't just watch during the day and then say, ah, it's night, it's time to sleep. Or you watch during the night and during the day you do what? You sleep. The Bible says, watch and do what? Watch. I hope you know it's in the Bible. You know, because some of us, when we went to high school, they would say, knowledge is power, knowledge is light, and all those interesting things. I want to be surprised that some people say their motto is watch and pray. And when you see that, you don't realize that it's from where? It's from the Bible. Watch and pray. That's very important. There was a time in Israel that David was running away from his son Absalom. And a battle ensued. And David did not want his son Absalom killed in spite of the fact that what Absalom did to David was bad. Was what? It was bad. I mean, we all know the story. Absalom chased David out of Jerusalem, took over his kingdom, defiled his father's concubines on the housetop, not even in any room in the palace. He took them to the housetop, defiled them in the presence of all Israel. He made himself odious before Israel, before his father. Just to show that he was, he was caught in a demarcation between himself and his father. But you know, what Absalom did 
Many of us, our children have not done half of it, and we have, we have what, what do they say? We have disowned them. Did David disown Absalom? Anybody that knows it? Did he disown Absalom? He did not. In fact, when they were going to the battlefront, he called Joab, the leader of the army. He said, please, please, for my sake, do what? Deal gently with the young man, Absalom. He did not want Absalom dead. In spite of all, Absalom was the one responsible for the killing of, uh, of uh, Amnon. He said, because the guys defied him. So he committed his own atrocities. He was responsible for the death of his brother. But his father never wanted him dead. He knew one thing. He knew the problems of Absalom, the problem of Amnon, the problem in his household was because of who? Because of who? Because of himself. He knew. Why was he having all that problem in the family? Because he killed, uh, who, did he, who was the person he killed? Uriah. And he took over Uriah's wife. Bathsheba became his wife. He knew. Many of us know. We are the cause of the problem. How do we address it? Bone face. We, we, the time we now show bone face. I'm the father of this house. You have to do what I ask you to do. It may be the father. I'm talking about father. It may be who? It may be the mother. You know it. You know the problem in this household is because of something I did 10 years ago, which comes back to you every night. But you have mastered the act of what they call split personality. Is that not what they call it? Split personality. To, you have a personality here and another one there. You have learned how to mask your errors. When the repercussions and the consequences of those things begin to come forward, you now say, uh, do you know who is talking? I am your mother. And you, don't, you, you begin to wonder, where did this rebellious spirit come from? It's because something is being covered up. And the Bible says, he that does what? He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. In like manner, she that covereth her sin shall not do what? Brethren, one of the strongest tools we have as children of God is this tool that is called confession. Testimony confession. The devil will so much tell you that if you talk, you will die. He's, 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 tell somebody he's lying. He's only using that to hold you hostage. He's using that to prevent you from moving forward. He wants you to die the way you are. But you can only die the way you are if you do what? If you agree with him. Brethren, the devil has never ceased from being a liar. True or false? He's a liar. The Bible says when the devil tells lies, he is being true to himself. He's the father of all lies. When he sees that there's a way out for you, he comes and says, ah, why would you do that? So they say everybody does it and they just they have a way of doing what? Of covering themselves. They don't, do, you don't need to do it. Brethren, that's why the Bible says the road that leads to heaven is what? It's narrow. How many people go thereby? Very few. How many people here are going to be among the few that go to heaven? 
You may need to do some things that are uncomfortable. But brethren, it's only uncomfortable before you speak. The moment you speak and he knows he has lost the battle, he will leave you alone. Then you begin to ask yourself, what was I afraid of? What was I hiding? I know God is talking to someone here today. And God will have mercy on you. You see, that's why the Bible says, what will it profit a man? What will it profit a woman? If he gains the whole world and loses his soul. What can a man give? What can a woman give in exchange for her soul? And you and I know, let God make everybody here a billionaire. People are not even saying amen. Am I in the right place this morning? Maybe I should go to one of our parishes and go and preach to them. I say, let God make everyone here a billionaire. If you become a billionaire, does that make you the owner of the whole world? See, that tells you, that's why the Bible says, vanity upon vanity. All is what? But there is a portion for you. There is an inheritance for you. There is something God has prepared for you. I went to this past when I started talking about David. When the battle began and David's army was fighting against the army of, uh, of uh, uh, what's his name? Of Absalom. Second Samuel chapter 18 from verse 24 to verse 28. The Bible says David had a watchman. Remember, we said the name Mispeh means watchtower. And when you have a watchtower, in every watchtower is what? A watchman. A watchman. Somebody who is on the lookout to ensure that the devil does not catch him or her unawares. David had somebody at the watchtower that was on the lookout. And the man said, I see somebody running. The person is running towards his face. He said, if the man is running alone, he has a message. Tell somebody he has a message. Then he looked at him and said, I see another man running. And this second man running, I think I know him. He's Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. He said, mm, he's a good man. If he's running, he has a good message. Tell somebody he has a good message. I have a good message for someone here today. God will fight for you. Amen. I have a good message for someone here today. You will not be put to shame. Amen. I have a good message for someone here today. God will direct you. The enemy wants to change your path, but he will fail. No, not not, not that. He has failed in Jesus' name. When Habakkuk wanted to hear the voice of God, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, Habakkuk 2, 1 to 3, he said, I will stand upon my watch. I will set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. You see, that Habakkuk was a wise man. He said, I will watch. I will wait to see what he will say unto me. But he didn't stop there. He said, and see what I will answer when I am reproved. Because many are times, brethren, you want to hear what God will say. The first thing you might say might be what? A reproof. That's why many of us don't want to hear the voice of God. Because we know that if you truly hear the voice of God, he will not commend your actions. He will rather rebuke you and say, why did you do it that way? We don't want to hear it. But God is not a man that he should lie. 
Neither the son of man that should do what? That should repent. He will not change because of you. That's why we said he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Do you know that's why we trust him? Do you realize that? The reason we trust God is because we know he has never changed. His principles remain the same. Principles. If you sow, you will do what? You will reap. If you pray, what will happen? Your prayers will be answered. That's what he said. He said, if you knock on the door, what will happen? The door will be opened. If you don't add laziness to your Christianity, because that's the problem of many of us. We say we are Christians, but what we want is actually we want magic. You want what? You want magic. You've been a Christian for 15 years. You can't pray for one hour in a day. Can you ask your neighbor, what type of Christian are you? Don't be afraid. I am the one telling you, ask your neighbor, which type of Christian are you? You've been going to church for five years. In your house, you've never for one day said, let's do a vigil. Doesn't mean we're going to pray for five hours old. Because that one will say, our pastor won't kill us. Let's do a vigil. What are we calling a vigil? How many minutes prayer? Maybe 30 minutes. But the whole family at 12 midnight. At what time? Don't start with three hours. Start with 30 minutes. That one start with 30 minutes. But you need to start with something and you need to start somewhere. You need to grow. You need to grow. It's very important. When you start with 30 minutes, one day you'll be praying, you won't know when one hour will have gone. We're talking about not you alone, you and the family. Oh, even as you are praying, Junior is sleeping. As you are praying, somebody is snoring. Don't give up. Tell somebody, don't give up. You are building up... Uh, you are building up yourselves in the Holy Ghost. You've been a child of God for 20 years. There's nothing to show for it. Spiritually. I don't, I'm not saying you don't have a car. I'm not saying you don't have a house. Either bought or rented. Whichever one, you have a house. That's not what I'm saying. But where do you stand spiritually? If, if, if a strong wind begins to blow in this sanctuary today, a very strong spiritual wind, by the time the wind is gone, will you still be will you still be standing? That's the question. In spite of all your years of I mean that, that you have accumulated uh, what do you call it spiritual foundation, so to say. Habakkuk said it. I will stand upon my watch. I will watch to see what he will say to me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. He that the Father loveth, he does what? He chastises. If God loves you, he will correct you. If you continue to live in your error, and God has not corrected you, he has abandoned you. It's not because he doesn't want. The Bible says, these people that have gone to the northern kingdom, they have done what? They have quietened my spirit. In the book of Zechariah. I now speak, but they no longer hear. That's what he means. They have quietened my spirit. God is still talking. He's not a talkative, but he loves you. Tell somebody God is not a talkative. But he loves you. 
So if he is talking, it's because he loves you. It's because he wants you to hear. It's because he wants you to do what? To change. To change. Like I said earlier on, before Jesus left, in quite a number of, 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 of scriptures, he said, Mark chapter 14, verse 13, Watch ye and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Then he said, well, The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. If the flesh is weak, you can strengthen the flesh. You alone have power over your flesh. Tell somebody, you alone have power over your flesh. A very simple example. We've talked of fasting for 10 days. Many of us did. Some of us did not even try for one day. But have you noticed if tomorrow you decide you want to fast and you break at 6 o'clock, if you like, eat pounded yam to break. I guarantee you, between 12 midnight and 2 a.m., you will wake up. Has anybody noticed that? There's a reason. There's a biology, I mean, scientific reason for it. Because when you are, when you are fasting, I mean, the, your body realizes that you are not taking in any sugar and all that stuff. Your body regulates your, uh, what do you call it? Metabolism. When you eat in the evening, the first place the body wants to take care of is what? Your brain. There's a lot of sugar and all that is pumped to the brain because the brain needs it. And so at some point during the night, that's what keeps you awake. You are going to wake up. Now you may not wake, you may wake up for 10 minutes or for 30 minutes or for one hour, depending on how long you have tried to practice it. The issue is when you wake up, don't switch on the TV. Tell somebody, don't switch on the TV. What should you do? Pray. Pray. That's how you start. That's why I said, if you are going to control, that, the Bible says, the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak. You are the one that will build up the flesh to do the will of God. God will not come and do it for you. Oh, the flesh will always desire, or it's pound. Does that make sense? The flesh wants its pound of flesh. <laughs> but I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watch it thereon to with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I was I listening to a message, was somebody telling a story sometime during the week. Said some big men of God, great men of God, they were having a meeting. And there was a housemaid. Many of us know what a housemaid is, right? There was a housemaid, she was just serving. So the men of God were just discussing the scripture, and they got to the place where the Bible says, pray without ceasing. And they arrived at the conclusion that it's not possible. Big man of God. Though. That lady, she was just doing her own cleaning. Then she said, ah, it's possible to pray without it. They didn't call her. But she saw an opportunity to correct an error. She said, it's possible to pray without it. I said, what do you know? <laughs> Big man of God, theologians are talking, you are talking. Come and explain yourself. She said, she's a house lady. I mean, house, housemaid. Uh -huh. She's house help. She said, every activity I do, I do what? I pray about it. When you send me to the market, I pray. Lord, as I go, go with me. You want to go and buy this? I pray about what I'm going to buy. Whatever I do, I pray about it. When she finished speaking, she, I mean, they lost their argument. 
They realize that truly you can do what? Pray without ceasing. If you want to steal money, will you pray about it? Answer me now. If you want to steal, will you pray about it? Is that a prayer that God will answer? That is it. So the reason many of us don't pray is because what we are doing is wrong. If we are talking about children of God, after all, uh, we are talking about fasting, isn't it? Everybody fasts, is that not so? Even Satanists, they fast. True or false? I mean, there was a story that was shared. Maybe you read it. Somebody was in the plane traveling to San Francisco, somewhere in the U.S., and somebody sat beside him, and the person would not eat, and the person kept uh, joining, I mean, another, I said, oh, hallelujah, thank God, I'm sitting in this flight beside the Christian. And the guy, he didn't talk to him, but the moment he had, I'm sitting beside him, he said, who told you I'm a Christian? He said, I'm not a Christian. So the guy said he was a Satanist. The conference that this man was going for, this Satanist was praying that the families of those pastors that are going for that conference should be broken. Yes. That's what he, the Satanist, was praying about. And fasting. Yes. They pray. They fast. But of course, you know that's what we're talking about. We're talking about your life as a child of God. The type of prayer you know we are saying we should pray. The reason many of us don't pray is that what we are doing is what? It's wrong. So you can't pray about it. Because if you pray too much, even the devil will slap you. <laughs> oh, yes. People that pray you to your prayer, shut up, Jerry. Is somebody with me this morning? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Yeah. Israel gathered together at Mizpah because Samuel had counseled them. He told them to give up, abandon their, 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 their idols. And they obeyed him. They listened to him. So he said, okay, because you obeyed my word, come, let me pray for you. And that's why they came together. At that place that we said, it means watchtower. That's the best place to pray. But you see, when Israel was sinning, the Philistines did not care. When Israel was doing anything that was contrary to the injunction of God, the Philistines did not care. The moment they gathered together, they didn't gather to prepare to fight. Too. They gathered together so that someone would pray for them. That was when the Philistines came and they came to attack them. And of course, the Philistines had been ruling the children of Israel for years. So they were afraid. So they cried unto Samuel. Say, ah, <laughs> do not stop to pray for us. Pray for us. Otherwise, this host that is coming against us will destroy us. And Samuel actually prayed for them. And there was a difference between the children of Israel and the Philistines. And what was that difference? It was an altar. Tell somebody it was an altar. The Bible says, what did Samuel do? He said they should bring it. I mean, uh, uh, it, it, it. okay. Let me see what what which of the verse is it? A lamb, a sucking lamb, and he sacrificed. He set, established an altar there, right there to the living God. And the rest is history. 
Israel was not prepared for war. They came to pray. They came to the temple. God fought for them. I mean, it was a peculiar battle. You, you remember the passage we read? God began to rain missiles upon the enemies of Israel. Brethren, where those missiles came, they have not been exhausted. Though. There are still many more missiles. Reserved for your enemies. Reserved for those that say you will not make it. Reserved for those that say when you follow God, they will destroy you. There are still missiles there. But you need to ensure that your altar is a righteous altar. It's a righteous altar. God intervened on behalf of his people with his own missiles against the enemies of Israel. God helped his people. That's why when they erected uh, the stone that they put there, they call it the stone of help. You know, do you know that God knows the help you need? Are you sure? God knows the help you need. The help you need may not be the help I need. I'm not talking of the help you want. I'm talking of what? The help you need. Because many are times what you want is not the best for you. Is that not so? That's why you get a job and say, this is the best job in heaven and on earth. And you don't even bother to pray about it. You just take the job. After two years, the company folds up. And you start complaining. But did God tell you that that's the God job you wanted me to take? That's why I'm saying what you want is not what? Not what you need. What you need, maybe, like, I mean, very good example, this company will pay you less. This company will pay you more. But they will pay you more. You can only work there for one year and either they terminate your employment or the company folds up. This one will pay you less. And what's the difference? Let's say $5 an hour. Maybe that's the difference. It may be more or whatever. What you earn in two years here, you earn in three years here, but in this company, you are going to be there for 20 years until you set up your own. After the two years here, these people have gone so far ahead that you can't catch up. Is somebody with me this morning? I'm just saying that God knows what you need. And he'll give it to you. Amen. The ways of God are not the ways of man. There's no logic in the things of God. I hope we know that. I'm sure by now we realize that fact. I'm going to be running off very soon. We're going to continue. Uh, next time I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be coming here to talk about what I call the, 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 the altar of affliction. So what I will be talking about is an introduction to that message. There's something called the altar of affliction. But I remember a, a story or a testimony as the case maybe that the general Bazaar shared at the camp some time ago. I said there's no logic with God. Of a sister, a young executive, doing very well, ready to get married, a child of God, doing the things of God at the best way she could. But there was no brother. And one day she was in her office and she was praying, saying, Lord, I've been serving you all my life. I've been doing your will. You gave me a word. Where is this man? And she said the Lord told her to look outside the window. And she looked outside the window and said, Lord, there's no one there. She said, look again. Because in actual fact, there was someone there, but it wasn't someone she was expecting. 
Who was the person there? The gate man. And you see, my sister said, God forbid. The gate, the gate man is first and foremost a what? A man. Say there's no point there. What should I say? Say the gate man say, Ah no, Lord, this guy get in the army Satan. Say, this is not Satan. This is not Satan. This is who you ask. That is your husband. <laughs> and it just so happens that they attend the same church. The brother, God has spoken to him. He had gone to meet the pastor that this is what the Lord is telling me. But you know, there are some brothers that pastor will not take serious. <laughs> you are a messenger. You are not even a messenger. Simply a messenger has office. You are a gate man. Your only is to open the door and do what? And close it. For, and you want to uh, marry the manager. The pastor said, I have had. So pastor did nothing about it. But this sister wanted to obey the Lord. So what did she do? She went to the pastor. Because she didn't go to the brother. She went to the pastor and said, Pastor, I don't understand you. But it looks as if this is what God is telling me. I've been telling Satan to get behind me and he has refused to get behind me on this issue. And then the pastor told her that the brother has come to tell me. But I don't know how to break such a news to you. So they called the brother and they interviewed him. In, in Nigeria, when you finish high school, there is a grading system. He had the best grade. I mean, he had the best grade when he finished high school. But he had no money to further his education. So the only reason he was a gate man was because he had no money to go to higher institution. Not because he was not brilliant. Not because he didn't have the ambition. The money was just not there. So when he was interviewed and the found out that was the situation, it became easy. But you see, she had to take that first step, the step of obedience. That brother was sent to school. When he graduated, they got married. As at the time that they were telling us this story, they said he was an area pastor in the mission in Nigeria. And an area pastor is a, that's a senior uh, position. Uh, and you don't have to be a full-time pastor to be anything as an RCCG. I don't know what his job was. God settled that sister. And God settled the brother. But it took obeying the voice of God. And I'm sure some of us are here today. When you cast your mind back, you know where you missed it. You know where you had the voice of God, but say this, is, this can never happen. I'm sure many of us will agree with me. You've said it before. Over your dead body. Not my own dead body. <laughs> this can never, this is not possible. And then we are seeing the consequences of our disobedience. God will have mercy upon us. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of mercy. We said, we are talking about stone of help, Ebenezer. The children of Israel sinned. They went astray. They departed from God, but they had the message of repentance that Samuel brought. Just like I'm giving, bringing a sermon of repentance to someone here today. And they said, we are turning a new leaf. But take note, the moment they came for blessings, the enemy raised his ugly head. Brethren, life is a battle. 
That's why next time I'm going to start talking about what I call the altar of affliction. Life is a battle. But I can assure someone here today, you are victorious. Amen. I say your victory is assured. Amen. You just need to make sure that if today you need to tell the Lord, Lord, I am sorry, don't resist him. Don't do what? He can give you a new beginning. Where men have written you off, he can, I mean, rewrite your story. That you begin to talk of glory in place of story. Amen. Amen. Amen? Nobody, no human being can tell you that they have seen the end of your life. Nobody. It's not over until it is over. The Bible says, who has said and that's come to pass except to accept the Lord of hosts. That is the God that is here that is speaking to us this morning. Amen. That is the God that is saying unto you, there is help for you. Amen. Tell somebody there is help for you. That is the God that is saying, I gave, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jonah. I gave Jonah a second chance. Jonah didn't have Jesus. But you have Jesus, don't you? That's the God that said, if I gave Jonah a second chance, how much more you, for whom my son died on the cross of Calvary. Let's bow down our heads, brethren. There's help for you. And the Lord is talking to you this morning. Why don't you go before him and tell him, Lord, <laughs> maybe God is showing you where you have gone astray and you want to reconnect with him. Go to him and say, Lord, this is where I missed it. Remember, we mentioned the, 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 the importance of confession. Telling the Lord, I mean, I am sorry. That's what you need to say. Tell him you are sorry. You are talking to your father. You are not talking to me. Lord, this is where I went astray. I know you are a God of restoration. I know you are the God that can repair that which men have destroyed. Today, I come to you. I say, Lord, I am sorry. I have made you too small in my life. Oh, Lord, forgive me when in a life that you're unable to help me. But now, Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. And in my life, and in my
church today and you are saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. It's between you and him. You are saying, Lord, have mercy upon me concerning this situation. I come before you. I want to reconnect with you today because that stone of hell must arise for me. What I want you to do is to come forward, kneel down beside the altar and pray. You are praying for yourself. But you are making a public statement before you. I say, Lord, today I want to start afresh. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. If that is your prayer, if that is your situation, if that is your cry, I want you to come before the altar, kneel down before the altar and pray to the living God. We don't have much time. I know the Lord has spoken unto you. If that is, if, if you are that person that the Lord is talking to, the Lord is saying, go forward and just pray. If you are that person, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. You are not here unto any man. You are not here unto any man. Reconnect with him. Tell him, Father, this is my understanding. Take control. Take control. Yes, you are coming to your Father. You are coming to your Maker. You are coming to the Maker of heaven and earth. Hey, open your heart to him. You are not talking to any man. You are talking to your father. If you are sitting down there and your heart cry this morning is Lord have mercy upon me. You alone can do it and I'm coming to you. I'm coming unto no man. Father intervene and have mercy. Let your name be glorified. Ye kareba soto lenda itragabo. I prosike lianda idabo. San robo koko shatali andragaba ushkate. Malito irema ushkatali anda itragabo. Malboro koli bahanda rabakato. Legeri bahanda ria. 
Cast me not away from your presence. Oh, take not, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew and renew our right spirit within me. Two more times, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I renew a right spirit within me. Oh, cast me not away. Presence, oh, oh, take not, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me that joy of thy salvation. I Father, I thank you for these, your children. You know their heart's desire. You know their heart's cry. They are pleading for your mercy and for your intervention in that situation. Father, intervene in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give these ones a new song in the name of Jesus. Accelerated promotion in the name of Jesus. Accelerated performance in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the heart of stone you can turn into a heart of flesh. Concerning this, your children, every heart cry that is being resisted, ah, I command a turnaround today in the name of Jesus. The heart of kings and princes are in your hand. And you turn it wheresoever you will. There will be a divine turnaround in the name of Jesus. A divine turnaround in the name of Jesus. Father, have your way. Glorify your name. Lord, give your children a new song. Amen. Give your children a new beginning. Amen. Give your children a new testimony. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Is there anyone listening to us online or in-house that is not born again? This is the moment of salvation. I pray for everyone that the devil will not cheat you of your salvation. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God will help you. Amen. I say God will help you. He will raise up help for you. Amen. He will fight for you. Amen. He will give you total, permanent, and eternal victory. Amen. Concerning you, the devil has been put to shame. Amen. He can no longer have his way. Amen. The Lord will lift you up. Amen. The Lord will establish you. Amen. So shall it be. Amen. Is there anyone that is sick? Our God is the Jehovah Rapha. 
Receive the healing touch of God. Amen. Receive the healing power of God. Amen. Go and sin no more. Amen. For we are afraid in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You can go back to your feet. Let's clap for Jesus.